The Receive It, Believe It, Achieve It deck is created by Faith Red Walker. Now, some of you may remember Faith because of her amazing cocktails that we have sponsored on the show. I mean, it was a while ago, and we made the cocktails on the show. Well, Faith has combined her love of coaching and her love of cocktails and put them together to create the Receive It, Believe It, Achieve It deck. Faith is a certified health and wellness coach based in the DMV, and she is continuing her purpose and helping others live a purposeful life. Her health and wellness coaching is designed to help you achieve your goals as it relates to your overall being, like address the entire person. Some of the themes that she touches on are career, finances, living environment, personal development, health and recreation, community, family, and spirituality. And so she's created the Receive It, Believe It, Achieve It deck. Now this is an affirmation deck, but this isn't your normal affirmation deck. She really believes to unlock your potential, you must receive it, then believe it, and achieve it. The deck is broken down into three sections and they relate to one another. So you receive the cards and you get your affirmations. The believe it deck is for your journal prompts and the achievement cards are action items for you to reinforce your goals. She actually sent the deck to us and I have been pulling from it very often because life has been lifing. It really is great to sit down and have a moment of receiving the affirmation, then have the next step of writing the journal prompt, putting the action into work, and then ultimately achieving that action. And I love it. You can get your Receive It, Believe It, Achieve It deck from faithredwalker.com. And if you use the discount code SWK20, you get a little discount. So make sure that you check it out. Give Faith some love. She's been rocking with Sisters Who Kill for a long time. And check her out at faithredwalker.com. That's faith, R-E-D-D, walker.com. What's going on, everybody? I'm Mara. And I'm Taz. And welcome back to Sisters Who Kill. Today's story is a little bit different, but still it's a tragedy. Telling the truth is so important, and in many cases, it can save lives because you never know what's going to happen once you cry wolf. If you're listening to this, you probably already know what I'm about to say, that today is the day for you to start your podcast. You have everything that you need, your computer, a little microphone, and Spotify for podcasters. It is the all-in-one platform where you can host, edit, and record your podcast and distribute it everywhere. Where you're listening right now, you can have your podcast there. I promise, for real. And it's free. And you can make some money off of your podcast for free. Free money. Free money is out there. Just go get it by starting your podcast today. Our players this week are Brandon Adams, Merlin's friend, Merlin Santana, our victim, Brandon Bynes, accomplice, Damian Gates, accomplice, and Monique's boyfriend, and Monique King, our murderess. Monique King was born in L.A. Her upbringing wasn't that great. Her mom was known to be prostituted in the streets of L.A., and Monique was shuffled from foster home to foster home throughout her youth. She was known as a runaway, and she knew the rough streets of L.A. pretty well. Her childhood was described as miserable, but we really don't have any details about what it was. We can imagine that it was, and from all things that we learned about her, we can tell that that upbringing had to have been bad, and the things that she saw very early on shaped who she was, but... We just don't have any details to give you guys. Sorry. Now, she was known to befriend a lot of older dudes, a lot of older men around the neighborhood. She lived that fast life. Now, I also heard that she was working the streets, but I couldn't tell if it was during this time or if it was during the end of this story. So at some point she was working the streets. But while she was out there, she was known to befriend a lot of older men. She made some friends with some Crips, you know, some niggas around the way. And at 15, you know, after being bopped around from foster home to foster home, she was put into a youth center. She ran away from the youth center and she was back doing her thing. So one day, it's 2002, and she's out with her homegirl. She's at a Chinese restaurant and they're chilling and her and her homegirl look over and they are beside themselves because 
they are like, oh my God, is that Romeo Santana? Merlin Santana was born on March 14th, 1976. Now his mom says he was born premature. It was a very scary birth. He had a 50% chance of surviving and he did. And so she said when she named him, she was like, it's a miracle that you're here. So I'm gonna name you Merlin, like Merlin the magician. And she said he loved his name. She said that's how he introduced himself to people. My name's Merlin, like King Arthur's magician. So, I mean, I'm glad he loved his name. I think it's adorable. Like, I love when parents give. Like, I hated it I until know. I heard the story. And then I was like, okay. What you mean you hated it? And so you, you hated what till you learned the story? His name. Really? I hated it. I, I thought you like, were talking Merlin. about your own nickname. No. Merlin. Like, I... oh. Until I heard the story, I was like, I'll let you live. But Merlin. I loved it. Not me going through the story because when I was growing up, my mom used to call me Marab the Magnificent. And I'm really thinking about doing a whole rebrand in my, me being Marab the Magnificent. And I was like, what if I have a son and I'm Marab the Magnificent and Merlin the Magician? Like this whole time we were researching (laughs) this. I said, this is perfect. I've thought about my life. I just need somebody to love me enough to have a kid. Like, that's it. (laughs) You a hater. I'm telling you, after I've heard his story, I let him cook a little bit, but... Up until this point, I just be like, let's just call him Santana. Anywho, when he was three years old, somebody noticed the charisma and the spirit up in this little boy. And it was like, you, you are a star in the making. They suggested to his mom that she take him to audition for a fast food commercial. And he got the job. And it didn't hurt that he was bilingual because he was Dominican. His parents were Dominican. His parents made sure that he knew Spanish, which, y'all, teach out. If you speak Spanish, teach our kids Spanish. Give them that extra leg up in the world. They'll get paid $2 more because they can speak Spanish. Um, He grew up in Washington Heights of New York, a real bad neighborhood. His mom said he was drug infested and gang shit going on, but she said she didn't play that. She was like, sometimes I'd yell down the street and his friends would give him a warning that I was coming. He'd go to the house and wait on me because I didn't like him out there doing all that stuff. So lucky for him, acting kept him booked and busy. He did off-Broadway shows, he did sitcoms, he did movies, and he got so busy that at the age of 13, he told his manager, don't book me for no more commercials. Real gigs only, okay? Big time. I'm a star. But the thing about these commercials, let me tell you, like, I work in entertainment, and all I'm going to say is these commercials bring in big money. So, in 1990, he got casted to play Hey Little Walter, and one night... At the show, Mr. Bill Cosby himself sees him and he was like, you, you've got potential. I want you on my show. So he writes in a character for him to play Stanley, Rudy's boyfriend on the Cosby show. They said, I heard this story and they were like, um, when his first episode was about to come out, he was so excited. He used to everybody in the neighborhood, everybody at school. But he used to walk like, you know, people home from school. He'd be like, all right, y'all, make sure y'all see my premiere tonight. Your boy gonna be on TV with Bill Cosby, bro. I of mean, course, can you, you imagine Bill Cosby, being on Bill the Cosby. Cosby show in the like, 90s? You know, like... As a recurring character, it's enough to just be on the show, you know? Have a one-off. So, yes, he graduated from the Ascension School class of 1991. This was like middle school. And that he bought him and his brother their first labor tags and that he was just a real good and genuine guy. After the Cosby show ended, he was casted on the show Getting By as Marcus Dixon. He also had a role on Henry Under One Roof. You know, they say it's a hard transition and we have... Oh, I feel like our generation has seen the child actors fall. It's a hard transition from child actor to adult actor. But he avoided drugs. He did not move in the fast lane, per se. He did end up moving to L.A. and stayed in North Hollywood, San Fernando Valley area. So he was like, not too much. I just want to be quiet and I just want to work, right? So in 1996, I don't know who we're talking about yet. He got casted as Romeo in a Steve Harvey show. The Steve Harvey show is currently my go-to-sleep TV. I have been watching it. I love that show so much. For like a month And heard that when he was cast in the show and they were writing the role, you know, that character has his last name. Mm -hmm. And he purposely wanted the character to have his last name because he, it was very important to him. Like, everybody sees him as black man, he's fine. But he's, I'm a Dominican. Like, 
And in the show, he's Dominican. <laughs> and in the show, and he wanted to show that like there are Latin folks that look like me. Mm-hmm. And he's from Washington Heights. So I'm sure any of you guys that are like me that saw in the Heights the musical. Um, and realized that they had all light-skinned Latin folks and they completely forgot about Afro-Latinos, he's there in the 90s saying, listen, I'm going to let y'all already know. Afro-Latinos exist. I'm here. And I can be on TV. And that was something that was super important to him. That's why his character name is Romeo Santana. Yes. Big Biggie, not the little one. <laughs> Sorry, <What>? she's on. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm gonna take it out. But Big Biggie is from from Baddie. She's Afro Latina, and she's just like she's from Dominican, and she's just like nobody wants to see us speak Spanish on TV. Nobody wants to see us. No one wants to say that we're Dominican. Like I'll see people no, girl, on her come be like, it. you know, a lot of people they don't acknowledge Afro Latinx folks. You know what I'm saying? And so a lot of people that are Afro Latina, they're they're making sure that their voice is stamped in history, you know, because you know, a I lot of times they article. aren't given that voice. I saw this article saying that Zoe Saldana is the highest paid female actress. And they said that they didn't see any newspapers or black magazines or anything covering this and like giving her her props. And it was like, and you wonder why it's so divided. I was like, hmm. I don't know. I don't know what I also the saw a tweet. Is. I saw a tweet from Mel. Shout out to Mel. She said, Zoe Saldana will beat your ass in the fucking street for calling her a black woman. I said, listen, that was my thought. I said, Does, I thought Zoe Saldana didn't want to be one of us. I feel like I heard that once upon a time. But I, she I couldn't say no, for she don't. sure. She said that we weren't her audience. Or something like that. Girl, don't give me started. And so that's probably why you got you left just... out the magazines. Because you don't want to be. Right. Her PR team is not even looking at Black outlets to, to send press releases to. But that has nothing to do with this story. We I, I can we can talk about that another time, you guys. Uh, Sisters <laughs> who kill on Twitter. Um, <laughs> and uh, I will gladly tweet you about it. But go ahead. I'm sorry. At the end of the day, Merlin was very talented. He was nominated for awards such as the Alma Award, which is like a Latin American award. And there's the NAACP Award that he was nominated for. Now, while he was out in L.A. and transitioning into his adulthood, he was looking for new avenues to express his creativity and his art. And he decided that he was going to start working on a rap album. And they said that he was really good. Like, it was like this reggaeton rap. They said it was good. There's a, apparently there's a whole bunch of unreleased tracks that nobody's ever seen. And I wonder who has them. So the night that the two meet, Monique goes up to Merlin and she's like, oh my goodness, you're Romeo. Like, my name is Mercedes. And I'm such a big fan. This is my homegirl. And they're just chit-chatting with Merlin. And Merlin, he... I think he really was somebody that enjoyed being famous. Like, he had the personality that would sit and talk to anybody. And if the ladies wanted him, you know he ain't had no problem with it. So he's sitting there talking to this girl, and they're eating their food or whatever. And then he's like, you know, me and my homeboy, we about to hit the club. She's like, the club? Yeah, we'll go to the next spot with you. They get into the club, no problem. IDs are checked. They go into the club, no problem. So they having a good time. They having a good night. And Merlin and Mercedes leave. Marlon Mercedes leaving, you already know what happened that night. They had a good night together, okay? The room was rocking. So the next morning, here's the thing. Little Miss Mercedes was digmatized. Apparently, Merlin put it down. And you know how, you know how they be the next morning. Mercedes was like, oh, you know, things are really smooth. I hope I get to see you again. Like, I'm single, even though technically she wasn't single, she had a man. Um, I'm single and, you know, are you single? I haven't seen in the tabloids that you have a woman or anything like that. He's like, you know, I'm single, shorty, but y'all don't need no relationship, you know. I'm working on my music. Steve Harvey show just ended. I'm working on my next big, big thing. I'm trying to make, make, make stuff shake, you know what I'm saying? Got to make this money. Got to make sure that everybody's taken care of, not just here in L.A., but, you know, my family back in New York. I got to make sure everybody's straight. And she was like, mm. She didn't like that answer. So she leaves. She leaves. He also heads about his business. This is not well, Monique. So she goes and she hangs out with her homeboys, 21-year-old Damian Andre Gates and 25-year-old Brandon Douglas Bynes. Now, they're Crips. 
it's I, my research said that there were forty Crips. I don't know what that means. It's a subset. Our resident gangster. Thank you so much. All right. So she's hanging out with them, and she's like, you know, I was with Marilyn Santana last night, and they were like, you was with Marilyn Santana, you know, Romeo, and I was like, she was like, yeah, but it was on some weird shit. Like he tried to push up on me, and they was like, push up on you, push up on you, like how? They were, he was trying to push up on me, like he forced himself on me, and they're like, are you serious, bro? Are you serious? It's just like, yes, it was, it it was so horrible. And he's like, you know what? I got something for that nigga. I got something from nigga. They start pulling out their guns. Actually, you know what? We can rob that nigga too. As a matter of fact, you just lay low and you wait till he hits you up and you let us know we're going to make sure we take care of that nigga for you. So Merlin was supposed to head out to New York, but he got a phone call from, I guess, his agent or whatever with this last minute audition. And of course, he's trying to make sure that he has his next sitcom in the bag. So he tells his mom and then back home, hey, I'm not going to make it. Catch y'all next weekend or whatever. And since he was in town and he had to get ready for this audition, him and his homeboy, Brandon Adams. Now, y'all might also remember Brandon Adams. He was a child star as well. What I most known him for is my in my young age of 28 <laughs> is when he plays the kid version of Michael Jackson in the bad video. But he also is in. I definitely remember seeing him guest star on different shows in the 90s. Also, he's well known for that movie, The People Under the Stairs, which I've never seen. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking at the movie poster and it's scary. You know how I feel about scary movies. Yeah. But I do remember seeing Brandon Adams, like, guest star in 90s sitcoms. I love 90s sitcoms. They were just so good. And then the, the way that they were scouting kids... Was the the talent was so authentic. I mean, I feel like they don't make child actors like they used to. They don't. And I'm not here to shade any popular TV show that I watch right now that has a whole bunch of kids, but the kids just don't act the same. Uh, I feel like we had the best version of Disney Channel. It's like these kids are purposely trying to act badly. Well, I mean, Disney Channel still worked them to the bone, and child acting is hard. <laughs> That's all I can say. And I'm really glad that I feel like if you got sucked into the Nickelodeon or the Disney train, they really tried to ruin your life. And the only one that really yeah. made it out of, out alive for real, for real, was Raven Simone. And she made it out on the I'm other side, you. still scathed because they had her in the closet for so long. And that was you know probably because well? her foundation was in doing these black sitcoms. And I'm sure that's the only reason that she didn't go cuckoo bananas like everybody else. Dylan and Cole Sprouse didn't go cuckoo bananas. We were talking about black people. Oh, is that specific? I thought we were talking about child actors. No, (laughs) you're right. (laughs) You're right. (laughs) Because, like, what's going on Um, with my girl Amanda Bynes? Like, yeah. And it's like, for a while there, Mary Kay and Ashley had a thing. I feel like they found peace in their life now. But um, yeah, ooh, being you know out, who's, who's, who survived? <laughs> who he wasn't? He wasn't Disney. He was Nickelodeon. But uh, Keenan Thompson, well done. He also had to watch him as a child. Did Keen, you? Did you watch of, all that? First of all, I was a member of the Freddie Hendrix Youth Ensemble of Atlanta, and <laughs> that is where he got his start in acting. So once again, okay. his foundation. His a trend here. <laughs> his foundation was black people in entertainment wanting to ensure that the child was put in the right positions and had the maturity and the community around them to help them succeed. Merlin. Merlin has this night with the girl. She's stigmatized. She don't want to go home, but he says, Shorty, you're going to have to go home. She starts lying on this nigga to some of these crips. Merlin ends up getting a call from his manager, his agent, whatever. And it's like, hey, you got this last minute audition for this new upcoming show. Let's go ahead and make it happen. And he was like, I got a trip to New York, but you know, my career is important. Got to make sure that you secure this bag. Steve Harvey show just ended. Ah, What do you do? And so he tells mom, hey, mom, not coming to New York. I'll catch you next weekend or I'll catch you on the flip side. I love you. I mean it. And stays in town for this audition. So him and Brandon Adams are together and they go down to Crenshaw because they actually had a homeboy down in Crenshaw that has studio at the house. He was like, it's a perfect time, perfect opportunity for me to make some music. And you know how it is when you making music and you with the boys and you still, you know, y'all still some young rich niggas, you know what I'm saying? Call up the shorties. So he calls up Mercedes and Mercedes comes over and 
when she comes over, she comes early in the morning because, you know, we're making music. So it's late. It's like 2 a.m. when she comes over because he hit her with the shorter you up. She comes in and things look a little off. She kind of walking around the place. She's not really saying anything to anybody. She seems a little too observant. And then all of a sudden, she wasn't there for very long. She get on the phone. And then she's like, you know what? I have to go. And Brandon, I don't know, Merlin was maybe having a good time, but Brandon was like, I don't know, you a little suspicious. She walks out and Brandon walks out behind her. He sees that she gets into an SUV with two niggas in it. And then he looks down the street, two blocks down, vehicle stops. Brandon already smells something fishy, bro. He goes back in there. He's like, yo, Merlin, something is off. Don't know what it is. Giving setup vibes. Let's get the fuck out of here. Merlin's like, bro, what? And I don't know. Like, Merlin clearly, Merlin clearly trusted Brandon, right? Because that's somebody that you have. Because if you came in and you were like, yo, Marah, vibes off. Let's go. I'm a dip and go because I trust Mariah's your vibe. Her shit and going. She's, you know she's asking me questions in the car. <laughs> right. Like, I trust your vibe. But there are some people I'll be like, what you mean? We having a good time. So Brandon was like, yo, Merlin, vibes off. Something's wrong. Let's go. So Merlin, he said, he's like, all right, bro. All right, bro. They say their goodbyes. They get into the car. They get into the car. They start putting on their seatbelts. Brandon is in the driver's seat. Merlin is in the passenger seat. All of a sudden... Merlin looks in the rearview mirror and he sees two niggas running up on them. It's like a flash. It all happened in an instant. He sees them running up on them. Next thing you know, he sees a laser. Them niggas got their guns out. He sees a laser. He says, yo, Merlin, duck. And as soon as, like, as soon as he yells out, duck, shots are being fired. As fast as Brendan can, he turns on the car and he drives away. He's like, yo, Merlin, yo, Merlin. And he looks over and Merlin, he's got on a black hat. He's got on a black jacket, blue jeans, some Tims. And Merlin is slumped over and there is blood everywhere. He's like, yo, Merlin, yo, Merlin. Nothing. So all this happens on the 3800 block of Victoria Avenue. Merlin drives to Crenshaw and Exposition Boulevard and he sees a police officer. He gets the police officer's attention. I'm sure he's like, this is Merlin fucking Santana. Emergency vehicles arrive and it doesn't really matter because it's too late. Merlin was pronounced dead at the scene from a single gunshot wound through the back of his head. Them people were in there. It was like, really? that It was a crazy... The way at every turn... Brandon is just doing his best to look out for Merlin. Like, bro, let's go. Duck. You know what I mean? Just like... That's a real-ass nigga. And that's probably why they was... He is. They've been friends since they were kids. They grew up in this shit. So they've they've Mm -hmm. worked together. So they they have a bond that's deep and that's real. And it's not just this Hollywood shit, you know? Streaming October 6th on Paramount+. Plus. first place I learned about death was a pet cemetery. Dead things buried in that land would come back. There's something else. Something's wrong with Timmy. He needs time to adjust. That's not Timmy. Something is talking through him. Sometimes dead is better. Pet Cemetery, Bloodlines, Rated R, streaming only on Paramount Plus. So, police, detectives, investigators on the scene, they recover. Nine thirty caliber bullets, what they say, are the type that are used in, like, an assault rifle. Out of the nine bullets, only one hit Merlin. So it enters the car through the trunk, travels through the back seat, through the passenger headrest, and then through the back of Merlin's head, killing him almost instantly. Detectives immediately grab Merlin's cell phone off of him, And they start looking at, like, what his last things are. And he was just on the phone a few minutes earlier. Like, he just died and he was just on the phone. So Brandon explains to the detectives that Merlin is on the phone with Mercedes. Monique, Mercedes, Mercedes, Mercedes. Mercedes. And he's like, yo, Mercedes, what was that? You kind of was acting weird. You came, you left. It was, you know... Everything all good. Next thing you know, the incident happening, you know? On November 10th, the very next morning, detectives have Brandon call Mercedes 
to see if she will meet him at a nearby restaurant. So Brandon makes the call, yo, Mercedes, you free? You think you can run over here real quick? Mercedes is like, yeah, no props. <laughs> Which I don't think that I would. Mercedes arrives to the restaurant to meet Brandon, but is instead met by several detectives ready to detain her, take her down to the station and get some answers. So they're interrogating her. They're like, what's your name? Name keep changing. When were you born? Keeps changing. Where do you live? Keep changing. How old are you? She's like, I'm 21. And the detectives say, and she looked it too. Now, I don't know if that is the detective being the white detective or if she has aged herself to look 21 because she is telling, like, done the makeup and things to make herself look 21. But I, let me look at this picture again. I don't think with no makeup on, she's giving 21. I'm nope. Not. I don't know. Mm. <laughs> she looked the way you thought she did. Mm. I'm not finna... I, I'm not finna call this girl ugly because this is a picture of her when she was 15 and I ain't finna call no kid ugly. Just if Correct. I was the Merlin Santana, I mean, there's not even a jawline. That's my new obsession with people, their jawline. Like, I'm obsessed with a jaw. Yeah. I don't know. She's she's giving she's giving child to me in this picture. But again, I don't know. They'll do the makeup. The girls, the girls trying to be 21 when they're not 21 will do the makeup to try and age themselves. So I don't know how she was looking at the time, but this picture here isn't giving it. So a few hours after interrogating her and asking her all these questions. Finally, she's like, my name's Monique King. And I was like, oh, so you're not Mercedes. They look into Monique King. Turns out she's a 15-year-old runaway from a juvenile facility. And they're like, listen, you might want to start giving us some answers and some real ones at that. You want to be a suspect or you want to be a witness? Let me know how you want this to go. Uh, she probably said witness for 500 Alex and began to tell the whole story. They get Monique's cell phone, which then leads them to Damien Gates, her boyfriend. The police go and raid his house and they find at least one, which was a weird way to put it, but at least one 30 caliber bullet, same that was used the night of Merlin Santana's murder. Also at the crib while they're over here running things up is Brandon Bynes. Y'all made it easy, right? So the detectives take both men in and start interrogating them both. The guys try and hold out, but then the detectives present them with evidence and they like, listen, was I involved? Yes. Did I do it? No. This is both of their stories. It wasn't me. It was him. Fun. Fun day. Now, Fun day at work for the detectives. Yeah. Now, the trajectory showed that the bullet came from a rifle and not a handgun. And Monique told detectives that Damien had the rifle and Brandon, Brandon Bynes, Brandon B, had the handgun. So from this, they decided Damien was the killer. He, he fired the shot that ended it all. So now detectives are in here and are like really searching for a motive. Why did you do it? Why did you do it? Why did you do it? And the guys are like, you know what? At the end of the day, Monique was like they was trying to rape her or whatever. They said Merlin was trying to rape her. And so... And I ain't, we ain't about to let him fuck with her like that, you know? And the detectives go to Monique and they're like, you know, did anything happen to you and Merlin Santana? Was there some type of sexual incident? She said, no, nothing happened. They said, so why did you lie and say something did? She had no good reason. That's probably when she turned to a kid and did that. Mm-hmm. Because no good reason. At this point, the detectives have crafted a story thinking this was... Initially supposed to be a home invasion and a robbery attempt because why else are you walking around the house being all weird and then leaving abruptly, you know? Because Brandon had the feeling he was casing the joint. You know what I mean? Like, girl, sit down. You're supposed to just be sitting back and enjoy the vibes. We're over here. What are you doing? They feel like she was supposed to go in, find some jewelry, find some cash, give the guys the layout, and then the guys would storm in. I mean, obviously, they have came with weapons. You got a rifle and a handgun. And the bullets tear through the trunk of a car, the back seat, the headrest, and then land. You know, the detective said it was just kind of weird because Monique never really seemed remorseful. And she gave off the impression that she was proud that these guys were willing to protect her in this way. Like, he'll kill for me. You know, it's like no, I told girl. him I was in trouble. And he handled it. But at what expense, girl? And there, some people like that chaos. Like, they will make up lies. Who was it? We had another case like that. Um, the girl that killed the pastor, Lorraine Hunter. Remember Lorraine Hunter? Well, her 
deceased, um, she would be like, oh, that man is trying to uh, flirt with me. What are you going to do about it? And he would start fights at the party and then the house party would be over. The, this house party that she worked so hard on. And that was like how all of her house parties ended because she enjoyed that chaos. And some people really enjoy that chaos because that's all they know. And mm-hmm. let me tell you, chaos is not, it, it is exhausting. Like, are you not tired? It's exhausting. The guys were arrested on November 21st. Each of them had a $2 million bail. Each, not combined, each. That shit was steep. So, of course, they remained in jail until their cases got settled. And from there on out, they they never made bail. Merlin was buried at St. Raymond Cemetery in the Bronx, New York, on November 18th. And people poured in with tributes, shock and heartache. And just, it was definitely a sad day for the Bronx that day. So Brandon Douglas Bynes, he decided that he was going to go ahead and plead out. He pled guilty on January 26 to voluntary manslaughter and assault with a deadly weapon for this case. Damien Andre Gates, he went to trial. And on February 25, 2004, Damien Andre Gates was convicted of first degree murder. Very shortly, I think the 25th, he was convicted on the 28th. I saw an article saying that jury selection was starting for Monique's case. And prosecutors, they were trying to get a first-degree murder charge against her because you went and you decided to help plan this murder, the murder of this man, based off of your lies. And you knew what the consequences were. You were there. You were in the car. You were the getaway driver. You knew exactly what was going on. And here's the thing. She may have pretended like she was 21, but she's actually 15. Are we going to try her as a child? Are we going to try her as an adult? Nobody knows. The court system actually decides they, that they are going to try her as an adult. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial, bitch. Take that shit to trial. She goes through the court system, and there's not much we could really find about the actual what happened while she was at court. How did the court proceedings happen? But what we do know is that after the trial, it's March 2nd, 2004. The jury stands up, and they say, for the charge of being an accessory after the fact... She was found not guilty for the charge of conspiracy to shoot in an occupied building. She was found not guilty throughout the trial. They dropped her charges from first degree murder to second degree murder for the charge of the attempted murder of Brandon Adams. She was found guilty. And for the second degree murder of Merlin Santana, she was found guilty. Christina Santana, his mother, attended the sentencing and, of course, cried all through while they talked about what happened to her son. She told the judge, as time goes by, it hurts more and more. To go on with my life, I have to learn to live without my son. Oh, and that's always hard when parents have to bury their kids. Yeah. At any age, at any time. Damien, who was 21 at the time, was sentenced on February 25th, and they gave him two 25-to-life terms plus 20 years, along with another consecutive lifetime. So he has some time to do. Imagine course, doing something stupid because a girl lied to you and now you are in prison. She lied. And you have And you a gangster. Sentences. You a gangster. You, know you ain't mean? even on, you ain't, this, I mean, murder. But you're not even in prison over no gang shit. Like, what? Because she lied, bro. How you feel? I guess like anybody feels when they get lied to. Right. (laughs) His sentence was, of course, the steepest because they did, in fact, terminate. He was the one who pulled the the trigger for the bullet that killed him. Brandon was sentenced March 11th of 2004, and he received 23 years in prison, which still ain't no short bid. Mm. Now, the girl who started it all, Miss Monique King, was set to be sentenced on April 2nd of 2004. And she received a whopping eight years in the California Youth Authority because of her young age. The prosecutors agreed that she would be held until the age of 25. 
Now, the de- the deputy district attorney, Mr. Greg Doy, said this case was tragic all around. Merlin Santana was a very gifted actor, and his murder was utterly senseless. Monique, Monique King has had a miserable childhood, and this verdict punishes her fairly and gives her a chance to turn her life around. And I think he also said something like justice can never really be served for Merlin because he didn't do anything. He didn't deserve it. And this is just the best they could do. So Merlin's mom was in an interview and she said that shortly before he died, he was talking to her and his dad and he was like, I'm going to be our guardian angel one day. And they were like, what? And they was like, I'm going to be your guardian angel. I'm for real. I'm gonna, I'm, I'm going to watch after y'all. And they were like, boy, don't talk like that. Don't don't talk like that. Don't even say those words out loud. He's like, no, I'm for real. And I feel like he was having a very in the event of my demise moment. I don't know. I do I do feel like sometimes people see the end coming. But anyways. Yeah. It's be some people who be like, I'm going to die young. And that's just my fate. And they truly die young. And they just be knowing. I don't know. I'm sure plenty of people can get into the the spirituality of the thought of all that. Now, Damian Andre Gates and Brandon Douglas Bynes, they're in prison. They're serving their sentences. Like you guys know, Brandon's going to be in there for life. And Damian, he's going to be there until 2026. So very soon. Like, I can see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Most done, player. Right. Monique did her time. She got out of prison when she turned 25. Now, since then, she got arrested for some a couple of misdemeanor things down in Long Beach. I think she was sentenced to like 20 days and then was released. So anyway, she's out at 25. She gets arrested a few times. She gets like 20 days and then she's released. She's arrested again in like 2012 in Hollywood. Nothing really major. She's released. And now she is 37 years old. What she's doing in her real life, I have no idea. Um, I thought I found her, but it was some hair girl and it wasn't her. And I I did the math on her birthday. I, I saw all her life thinking it was her, but it wasn't. Now, the survivor, Brandon Quentin Adams, he's been relatively absent from the spotlight since the incident. He said in an interview one time that that night not only took his good friend Merlin, but it also took his joy for life and it took away his love for acting. Like, I really feel like if some Tazzy, if something happened to you, I just y'all can have what y'all have out, but I'm not doing shit else with this. You know what I'm saying? And I get it. And that makes my heart like. I mean, but I feel like this is our show, but like acting was his individual career. So I think it's actually sad that he just stopped acting for real after that. Mm-hmm. But when, I guess, you know, you don't know how close they were. And when you come up in the game together, these these parents with these theater kids are acting kids. These parents are trying to also work. So all all the kids are on these big old sets together, even if they're working on different shows. So it's these parents will work together to get the kids to set and they'll have a whole routine because the parents have to work at the same time while these kids are making a living. Because yeah, one I mean, lot will have... Who will kill f- would be done, but... Right, I'm saying, but one... podcasting? How intertwined their lives were. It probably was just something that they really shared. And I get it. I mean, it's he seemed to have one thing pop up... Um, he did some narration work, some voice work for a film in 2021. Hopefully, whatever he's doing, he's at peace. Because I know that's got to be a hard, especially when you knew. You knew. You was a real one. You was a real one. And I, that could eat you up. So I yeah. hope he has peace. He's, okay. as of right now, he's 43 years old and hopefully doing well. While I was going through this, I saw this article. It was, um, it's from the Voices section in the L.A. Times. I think this is, like, just people of the community who write in. And he was like, y'all are using South Central as a code word. And he says that Merlin Santana died, like, in front of his house. And so I guess he was in the neighborhood. And he was like, y'all have reportedly shown this story he dies in South Central. He died in South Central. And they was like, y'all are trying to paint this term, I mean, paint this image that he's in South Central. So, of course, he got caught up in some shit, you know, and, of course, this happened. And he was like, 
we're on the Victoria, um, we're on the 3800 block of Victoria Avenue. He's like, this location is 12 miles from the heart of South Central Los Angeles, but it's black enough and it's south of Wilshire, so it must be South Central, right? He says he's actually in location closer to Beverly Hills than he is to South Central, mm. but they still put it as How they put South it in the Central. Media. Right. Mm. And so he's he, he goes on to say, like, Y'all like to think that these white neighborhoods are protected and like crime only happens because it's in a black neighborhood. But the thing is, unfortunate situations can happen anywhere. They and can. so his last his last paragraph is, well, it should not happen in my neighborhood or any other, but it does. And on the 3800 block of Victoria, we will mourn the loss of Merlin Santana and our innocence while our insurance rates go up and our property values go down. And I said, well, wow, you are speaking on something there, bro. It, but even when he passed in the first couple of days before they actually found out what happened, of course, this case, I mean, the date you guys heard the dates, they're pretty quick that they uncovered this case. But mm-hmm. w- at first they were like, he's, of course he got shot because he was in Crenshaw and he's, mm-hmm. uh, he's a gangster. And look, they were trying to think that he was Romeo. Romeo, this right. bad kid like from Chicago. Is... And they're like, no, this is not who he... Remember? And Romeo wasn't even... Romeo wasn't even a gangster. Romeo was the lover boy. You know what I'm saying? He was like, a lover... He was the he was dumb, lover boy but... that was dumb, right. But that was... That's also... That's a character. That's not who mm-hmm. he was. And they were... Steve Harvey had to come out when the first couple of days was like, first of all, y'all trying to talk about he was a gangster. He doing all this shit. Let's go ahead and cut that shit right now. See, that's why you have a foundation of black old heads in the game to be around you. That's what the kids are missing. That's how you succeed. So Steve Harvey was like, well, go ahead and shut that shit down right now. He's not. And the dude that played Bullethead, he's got an interview out. He was like, honestly, honestly, I, uh... I wasn't surprised when I heard uh, about Merlin being shot, th- that how he was shot and um, where, because he was wild, man. He would just live out this crazy life. And my wife loved him. And of course, you know, I loved him. Like our our relationship on TV. He said this while he was old, old and fat in the face. Our relationship on TV was very genuine, but my wife would not let me hang out with him. Why? Because he was a nigga. Yeah, and it just, and he's right. When you get that crime reported in your neighborhood, your property value does go down. You lose the equity that you could have gained in your home. Like, this stuff matters. But the story just makes more sense in a black neighborhood. So they said the woman who wrote this is the president of an entertainment public relations firm and is a six-year resident of Victoria Avenue. Who wrote that? Who said that? Hold on, let's let's give them a name shout out. Marcy DeVoe. Hey, Marcy. I love a critical thinker. I know, right? I said, uh, let me not skim past this. I'm going to save that. All right, y'all. It's time for... Well, I'm not black. I'm OJ. I ain't do it. But if I did, this is how I would have gotten away with it. I ain't do it, but if I did, girl, it feels like you were being shifty and maybe those niggas were more controlling of you than you probably wanted to admit to yourself. Um, you could have just stayed in the house and enjoyed the music. You could have had a good time. You could have just had a good time. You could have texted him. You could have made real friends with Merlin and he might have broke you off something. You could have just like soaked up the life maybe. The kids in the neighborhood from when he was a child were like, yo, he got a little bit of money and everybody got toys. Like, he enjoyed that shit. Like, he loved the people around him. You could have probably just got you a chain or something. Like, it would have been good, you know? And what did you get? Nothing. Nothing. What did you get? A jail sentence? <clears throat> you missed your entire... You know how on TikTok they be having the cards and you pick one? She chose the wrong card. You know what I'm talking about? Nope. They be like, we're going on a date. Which card will you choose? And they don't know oh, what's yeah. on the back of the card. She chose the wrong card. I'm trying to do our whole, the purpose of our podcast and the things that we stand on and the fact that she was a minor and this was just a, this lie. And I really, it's taking a lot of me to just take out the fact that this is somebody that was like one of my first TV crushes and I don't have celebrity crushes. <laughs> you know? I, I don't. I did not have J15 posters on my wall. And so I'm trying to take the, all of that out. 
so that I can say that she was a child that clearly had a troubled background. And does this mean that she at least deserves a chance in society? Because at the end of the day, these grown-ass men, they were over 21, 21 and over. At some point, they could have they could have gone and beat his ass. They could have you know, stepped to, they got an stepped assault to a charge, ma- and a nigga would have still been alive. They could have stepped to him like a man. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, um, it makes me think of what you said about Wendy when you were telling me all about housewives the other day, and Wendy being like, "Uh-uh, my man, I don't beef with men. This is the man <laughs> that you want to talk to. You better come talk to my husband." Like, and I'm sure the reason that that that's a standard in their relationship is because he was doing it when they were just dating. Like, that would be perfect. So, Mm -hmm. I don't know. As a grown-ass man, you do have more responsibility than she does, than the child does. Even if she said lied. And it's... Right. um, It's very hard to do that, though. I have to admit. This is the hardest I've had to work. And I think it's just because it's tragic and it was in the media and it was somebody that was adored. I heard that ever since Pac died, they were talking about doing the biopic and I think it came out in 2017, but it had been in talks forever. And people were saying that they were rumoring back in 2002 that that they were thinking about casting Merlin as Pac. And I would have loved that. I would have. He'd have been so good for it. I'm like, just, I'm sure he would have embodied it. Because even, I feel like there's certain parts of Romeo that take on, like, I feel like Pot knew he was a ladies' man and suave and stuff and carried that energy of, of course I'm beautiful. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is how Romeo carries himself. So I feel like it was just, I mean, on on the Steve Harvey show, that's how Romeo presents himself. Like, I got to keep my lips soft so the girls can kiss me. You know what I mean? Like, But also Merlin uh, as a person was like that. So he, it just fit. Because I saw, Ruth, you've seen the clip where he held up one of his headshots or his body images. And he said, this man is beautiful. This man is a good looking <laughs> you better man. Love yourself. I said, you better love <laughs> you, boy. Like, yes. <laughs> I do it. But if I did, when Brandon called me the next morning asking, could I meet him at the restaurant? I'm not even answering the phone call. What? <clears throat> no, we can't. Never heard from me again. Wait, and she probably would have got away with it. Honestly, they all probably would have got away with who, it after that. When Brandon called? Yes. Remember the detectives had Brandon call her to set up a meet. Oh, yeah, yeah, the, yeah. The I was like, day, what is... I would have never showed up. Because it, like, bro, what? Because why are you calling me? Right. And she knows what happened. And you know what? You was there. Well, she was, I mean, she was coming there prepared to lie. So she already... She said she going to learn how to act, too. He could have never heard from you again. He has no idea who these guys are. So unless the police just had to do some real good detectiving and check down those bullets to a gun to a something, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. They probably would have got away with it. She fucked y'all twice, fellas. Understand it. Especially because she was also going by a fake name. So some girl named Mercedes that's exactly off the grid. 20-year-old woman Mercedes when it's really 15-year-old Monique. Right, exactly. Um, mm. You got any more? I knew it, but if I did, you didn't even need them niggas. If you wanted to rob him, if you wanted to case the joint and put some stuff in your purse, then just do that. That was great. Why fill my pockets when I could just have whatever? Mm-hmm. Yeah, now you have nothing. I don't know what you have. You're out now. Um, parole or no parole? I guess, I mean, she's out. Um, do you Been think out. that her sentence was fair? Um, I'm going to let it rock because technically all she did was lie and these grown men are responsible for their actions. And she is 15 years old. She's 15 years old. She's 15 years old. And I really so, have to keep telling myself that. And I really feel like this is a hard one. And I know everybody's like, but it's Romeo. And I know because I'm like, my heart is. I know. But I think that we really do have to take in consideration her background and hope, fingers crossed, and really hope that this was, that she used the time wisely to get herself together. And maybe, I don't even know. I'm saying that I hope that she had the support that she needed while she was behind bars to get her life together. But this is also a perfect world. And if she did, she wouldn't have even gotten picked up on whatever little misdemeanors. Um, I feel like you said it is a perfect world. It's not. If I said that I didn't mean it, I'm not going back. I'm tired. (laughs) If I said that it's a perfect world, I didn't mean it because it's far from it. But if it was, 
she would have all the resources and things that she needs, but she don't, or she probably don't. I'm pretty yeah. sure she don't, didn't, still doesn't, don't. Everybody else, <laughs> those grown men, rot. Yeah, because at the end of the day, whether she told you a lie or not, there were several different options on how to go about that. I just feel like a man needs to step up to a man. You can be strapped just in case a, shit You don't even left. know who you was going to hit in that car. She said Merlin did something. What if y'all had hit Brandon? What Brandon do? Okay, now it's time somebody for reviews. Somebody said I like it. Sorry, say that again. You said somebody said I like what? I, I was going to talk about a review, but somebody oh. said they liked the show except for our use of the N-word. And it was like, I, of course, would never use it. And I was like, so you're white. She's like, but it just makes me uncomfortable. And I just don't know why you guys want to use it so much. Stay out of my black-ass business. Period. Stay out of my motherfucking black-ass business. <laughs> okay. Do this white girl that. named Morgan is in our DMs, and she said, oh, my God, y'all's rant about capitalism in the last episode was so good. Love y'all. Pot is amazing. Keep it up. Thank you, white girl Morgan. This one says... <laughs> this one says, black men love Sisters Who Kill podcast. <laughs> Maron Taz give life to stories of black women like no other podcast I've heard. It's truly like they're talking to you directly. Thank you for shedding light on these stories. Some known, some unknown. Five stars just isn't enough. Tens across the board. Tell your friends and families to give this podcast a listen. Thank you. I want black men to love our podcast. Join the club. Yes. Tell a friend to tell a friend. All right, you guys, if you want to keep up with us, you definitely can on all platforms. You can follow us on Twitter, Sisters Who Kill, on Instagram, Sisters Who Kill Pod, TikTok, Sisters Who Kill Podcast, and Facebook, Sisters Who Kill. You can also join the private Facebook discussion group. It is getting humongous in there. There's almost like 10,000 people in that discussion group. We are inching on 10,000 people. Come, come, join the club. It's cool over here. They get messy, and I need y'all to calm it down. But y'all been doing okay. Everybody been chill, and I love that for you. I love that for all of us. It's been great. I don't have nothing else to say. Keep being great. Gr- talk to us. We talk back. Bye. <laughs> <laughs>